This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey YA is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick up more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best. In June, Libro FM is launching their Kids Club and YA Club, which will offer select audiobooks priced under $10 each month, as well as their Summer Listening Challenge. Each person to finish will get a free audiobook credit and the chance to win free audiobooks for a year if you complete the challenge extra credit. <laughs> Listeners of AYA can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book write podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Thursday, June 20th, 2019, and I do use Libro FM and I really dig it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my personal endorsement. Um, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in like forever. I'm good. I know. We had a little break during which you uh, brought on someone rather famous, which is very exciting. <laughs> did you listen? I did. Ta- it was We talked awesome. about you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, I've been out of town since that recording and um, like I, I've had a real vacation, which I haven't done in a, in a long time. And um I took the opportunity during those like two-ish weeks to not read at all. And it's been awesome. Like, I feel like that's a thing that you're not supposed to say, but it's been great. Um, when I got back, I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to read. And it was an adult ghost story. Um, I, I read it in basically one sitting. And today I started the next Norma Klein book I'm going to read for the extra credit podcast. So I've been like off my reading game since uh, that podcast recording and it's kind of been great. How about you? What have you been reading? That's awesome. Um, So I'm not quite sure what happened, but (laughs) I think moving back to Philadelphia, uh, I I feel like all my publishing friends like remembered it at the same time. Uh, Because, like, next week I have an event with uh, Huswa Faisal for We Hunt the Flame. Uh, And then this fall I got tapped to do, like, in conversations with Brittany Morris for uh, her debut uh, Slay. Mm. And Jilly Siegel and Kimberly Jones for uh, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, which is a book coming out with Source in the fall. So my summer, like, to be red stack shifted 
immediately to reading all three of those uh, <laughs> because, like, there's nothing worse than the panelist that's like, so tell me about your own book because they clearly yeah. haven't read the person's book um, yeah. and are unfamiliar with their work. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to be that person. So right now I'm reading Slay and uh, it's so good and I totally get, like, all the hype around it. Um, when I was at BEA, there was, like, a gigantic banner, like one of those banners that are inside mm-hmm. the the, the convention center hanging from the ceiling with a book on it. Uh, and it's it's about a, a teen game developer who creates this, like, online role-playing card game that's sort of like, um, it's kind of like Magic the Gathering-esque mixed with Black Panther, mixed with, like, playing Hearthstone. Um, and, like, if you don't know what any of those games are, it's okay, because this book is clearly written for me. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's this massively popular game that this teen girl has created, uh, and then someone dies in the real world over a dispute that takes place in the game. Um, and the voice is just so great and so wonderfully geeky and powerful and says all these smart things about race and culture. And I, I just uh, I know it's going to be one of my favorite reads of the year. I can like already tell just being like a third of the way into the book. Um, it's just so nerdy and like so smart, um, like. If Ready Player One like actually talked about like big issues, <laughs> like this is this is what that book does, um, and I I really really love it. I want to read it so bad. As soon as I heard about it, I don't must have been about a year ago. I don't even mm-hmm. know where I heard about it. Um, it like got on my radar, and then I was waiting and waiting and waiting to see a cover for it. The cover for it is perfect, and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So like I. I feel like one of the publicists reached out to me, but like I'm, you know, three or four weeks behind in my email and <laughs> like haven't responded to stuff yet. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a big book. And like, I totally know why you heard about it last year, because like it was this is one of those books that like sold at auction in the mm. publishing world, you know, like that inside baseball publishing stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's making a lot of noise and with good cause. I I want to go back to something you were talking about, those um, in conversations oh, that yeah. have been, this has been like the thing the last few years, I think, in book events. And I really, really like them. Um, I've done a couple and I've been to a couple and I feel like they're so much more interesting than when you just have the single author on stage or at realistically at a bookstore it's at a table you know like giving the pitch of their book and then doing a reading so much more interesting when there's another panelist whoever they are oh yes uh, who has read the book and then can talk about the book with that you know like the the conversation dynamic there's something about it that works really well um and it's a format that i dig and i i hope we continue to see that yeah it ends up feeling more like an event and less of like a Hi, I'm the author. I'm going to read you a chapter. Now Mm -hmm. ask me questions, even though none of you have probably read my book yet because it just came out, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And I think, too, it takes the pressure off both the author and the audience because the work is really on the person they're in conversation with. And, you know, like that they can get that ball rolling. And then each of those events feels so different because it's a different person they're in conversation with so you know if you're like a YA book author roadie do those exist um (laughs) you know you'll see you'll see something different at each stop 
Um, if you are a YA book roadie, I want to hear about this. That, yes. <laughs> there's like, there's a YA book in that. Can you imagine? Like, a couple of teens uh, following their favorite author from bookstore to bookstore. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, there you go, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, one of the things that we don't talk about enough, but is like in our little about us when we talk about what the show is about is about um favorite classics in YA. Oh yeah. And uh I think that that makes for a great segue into talking about the biggest news that has dropped in YA in a long time, oh, yes. which is which you sent me before um like you sent it to me literally as soon as I got back from vacation <laughs> and um it was like that was the right like <laughs> right way to ease back in I guess um and it's that Suzanne Collins is writing a prequel to The Hunger Games mm. uh currently untitled Panem novel um and I love this so much first I think it is so awesome that she, like, I I don't know much about Suzanne Collins, except I imagine she lives in a cave on top of a mountain, right? <laughs> it's like, she does this, like, J.D. Salinger sort of thing, except, like, way less annoying, weird, slash, you know, reclusive. Um, and she's been in there in this, like, writing cave, not writing anything, not doing interviews, not, like, there were no big splashy things for the 10th anniversary of the book last year, and then all of a sudden the news drops that she's bringing us a prequel, and I'm like, yes, like, that's how to do it, you know? There have been some authors, I'm not going to name names, J.K. Rowling, who, like, won't (laughs) leave their series alone, Um, but, like, I feel like a prequel to this mega best-selling series and one that really sort of um engaged the YA world again after you know a few years of of quieter YA um I I, I'm looking forward to it I can't wait to see what she has to say like what she's been thinking these last 10 years uh she in the interview that you sent me she said um I, I like wrote the quote down. This is good. Um, with this book, I wanted to explore the state of nature, who we are, and what we perceive is required for our survival. The reconstruction period, 10 years after the war, commonly referred to as the dark days, as the country of Panem struggles back to its feet, provides fertile ground for characters to grapple with these questions and thereby define their views of humanity. I don't know. It sounds pretty contemporary to me. Oh, yes. I'm excited. I The first thing I thought about was like, I, I don't know, this is, I guess this is very specific to me, but I was like, oh, yeah, it's like Caprica when it came to uh, the Battlestar Galactica prequels. And then, like, you know, like, no one responded to that tweet, so I deleted it. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. And I just, I just love, like you were just talking about it right now where she was just, she was just gone for such a long time, just like doing whatever it was she wanted to do. And then just surprise, here's a new, here's a new book. I, I, I can't wait. (laughs) Me too. And it's funny, like I was reading, um, some of the commentary about it because, I can't help myself, apparently. And a lot of people are super excited about it. But then there's this whole contingent of people who are uh, upset about it. And I I can't, like, 100% wrap my head around why. (laughs) Um, And I I find it particularly interesting, the responses I saw that this was a cash grab. And, like, 
No, it's not. She's already got enough money. She's like not doing it to make money. Like she's probably pretty secure there. Yeah, um, I, I can't mean, this, even fathom. The, yeah, I <laughs> she mean, this owns is a, the mountain that she lives on. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but also, like, this is not a thing that gets leveraged at men who do the same sort of thing. Uh, like when yes. they revisit, you know. Um, and and we saw this with Stephanie Meyer when she did that um, revisit of Twilight ten yeah. years later. And it's just interesting to think about, like, the sort of sexist responses that pop up with it. Mm-hmm. And um, there are certainly places where that sort of critique is is fair. Like, I, though I don't think J.K. Rowling is doing it for money either. I think she just doesn't know when to leave, let, leave it alone, you know. Um, yeah, I'm sure if John Green wrote, like, Paper Towns 2, Paper Cities, people would be like, oh, good, <laughs> good, good, yeah. good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to think about. Um, I don't I don't know. I'm sitting here like and and I want this book now. Um, you know, it's been ten years since I read the series, and I can't wait to reread it and then read the prequel and and just see um, sort of where she built the world prior to this blockbuster series, and also what it has to say about like what she's been thinking about the last 10 years, because clearly she's been thinking about her books a little bit and and how they relate to uh, current society as well. I mean, I'm sure that there's a television in the cave, so she knows what's going on. Yes. (laughs) I'm I'm so hyped up. I can't wait. Me too. And for readers, you know, maybe maybe we should do like a, um, at some point, maybe in the fall or the spring, we should do like a, reread of the hunger games the first oh book. man that would be so awesome let's let's put a pin in that I like for, that. yeah because i think people would be into it yeah you know do you want to hit our first sponsor before we de- dig into the meat of the show like we haven't even gotten to the meat of the show and we're like <laughs> <laughs> i do so our first sponsor is uh the virtue of sin by shannon shrin uh miriam lives in new jerusalem a haven in the desert under the eye of its founder, Daniel, Miriam knows she's safe. Even if she's forced to quiet her tongue, Miriam knows that it's a far better life than any alternative. So when God calls for a matrimony, she's thrilled. She knows that the boy she loves will choose her to be his wife. When the ceremony goes wrong, she can no longer keep quiet. Miriam begins to question the rules of New Jerusalem and what she believes in. And that is the virtue of sin. That sounds really good. Yeah, that's interesting. It's one of those one of those like cult books that we like we do like those (laughs) (laughs) so do you want to introduce our first topic it's hilarious that we're doing this yes so our first topic uh we are going to talk about uh the best books of 2019 (laughs) so far at least the ones that we like um and i love that we're doing this because we both have very strong feelings about uh best of lists that happen uh halfway through the year uh usually because they contain a lot of the same books um You know, that you already heard about in the most anticipated of the year lists. Uh, so we got to shake things up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I think both of us, like when we were talking about this, come to it from the point of like, let's talk about books that uh, maybe we've talked about quite a bit, but um, haven't been talked about like more broadly in yeah. the in the book world that deserve that like extra reminder of like these books are out there. Go pick them up and read them so that you can be ahead of the crowd. Um, and and don't miss out on something great. Oh yes. So uh, I'll I'll go first. 
And of course, my first one is one I've talked about on here before. Any longtime listeners are already guessing what it's going to be. <laughs> and it is We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Me, yeah. And um, I, I, I'm just curious how many times I've talked about this one on the show so far. And also, um, it should be no surprise that it, so it's so it's no surprise it's making the list, but also like, I'm also going to mention that it's a duology. So if you uh, want to read the books back to back, like I like to do, don't start this one until the next one is out. Uh, so you don't get to the end like I did and go, wait a minute, there's a whole nother <laughs> book. Um, I've, the cover and the title for it are out. So it's coming and it's got another beautiful cover um, for it. So I can't wait. Uh, but We Set the Dark on Fire is set on the island. And on the island, there are the privileged and then there are those who aren't privileged. But if you play the system a bit, you can rise above your status and become an elite. And this is what happened to Danny, whose parents decided to sacrifice everything for her to attend the media school for girls, where she's trained to become a primera, which is uh, one of the two wives a man of status can take so um she has to keep her status as a lower than low class girl quiet and yet when she had started at school she told this girl named carmen about where she stood socially and um she did so thinking her and carmen would be friends for a long time but it didn't happen. Their their relationship fizzled out. So it's always been something that's in the back of her mind that Carmen can use this against her. Um, so when Carmen is named the Segunda to Danny's Primera, uh, for one of the most powerful men in the country, Danny panics. Like she doesn't know if she can trust Carmen, and uh, she wonders how awful it's going to be living with Carmen and this this man forever. Like she's going to be locked into this tension-filled relationship with both of them. But uh, then Danny is offered something she can't refuse just before the marriage, and it sets her up on this course as a spy from inside the grounds of her new home. And not only does it mean defying all of the social mores of this elite status she's gained, but it also means choosing uh, among loyalties. And it means she has to decide if she's going to harm another girl to get what she needs. And Interestingly, it's at this time that Carmen gets closer and closer to Danny, and Danny becomes paranoid that she's the target of some kind of ruse going on. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a really compelling and immersive and like gorgeously written book. Um, it's super feminist, and it's one that I think you could hand to readers who are a little hesitant about fantasy, but who love mythology or stories about uh, taking down structures of power, as well as those who, like me, love stories about the dynamics of female relationships, um, especially as they exist in worlds where, like, women are pit against each other uh, rather than sort of given the space to be friends or even lovers. I whispered that because that's kind of a spoiler, but also not a spoiler. Like, if you know anything about the book, you know what's going to happen. Um, yes. And that is We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Meha. Yay. Uh, so my next one, 
uh, is one I've talked about a little bit earlier in the year, and that's uh, Rain and Delia's Midnight Matinee by Jeff Zentner. Um, I love talking about Zentner's latest novel because whenever I would ramble about how much I liked his earlier books, like The Serpent King and Goodbye Days, it was always preceded with me explaining just how much those books made me cry and, like, destroyed me. Um, but in the case of this one, he, like, reveals his chops when it comes to humor and uh, just delivers so well. Um, in the book, two teens run a local access cable show uh, where they screen really terrible B-movies, though even calling them B-movies feels like a stretch. Like, they're just <laughs> really terrible, like, Ed Wood-level sort of movies. Um and as they navigate their senior year of high school, find themselves having to make some challenging decisions around the program that they love so much, um, which is also really, you know, tied in a big way to uh, not just their friendship, but also their their families. Uh, one of the teen girls, this show and the, this cable access thing is like the one way she still has a connection to her father. Um, and, you know, they're asking themselves if they can keep doing this. You know, um, one of them's moving after high school. How far away is that new college? What's their friendship going to be like? Uh, so it's this novel that's full of all this richness surrounding the people we stay connected to, uh, you know, as we, as we mature and grow older from friendships to families. Uh, and, you know, it does tug at the heartstrings pretty hard while delivering a lot of those laughs and smiles maybe some tears i mean okay fine i cried during this book too <laughs> jeff got me um but yeah this book is so fun so warm um and hasn't quite like blown up the way his others two have uh so i want to make sure it's on uh reader's radar because i love this very nerdy very uh quirky novel and that's uh rain delia's midnight matinee by jeff zentner my next one is one I don't think I've even talked about on HeyYA. I know I've talked about it on the All the Books podcast, and um, it's one that I think about all the time, so I'm surprised I haven't brought it up here. And that is Heroin by Mindy McGinnis. Oh. Um, this is one that I think is especially timely and relevant, uh, particularly as it relates to the opioid crisis that's been uh, happening for... A number of years, but has really sort of hit the news in the last half decade or so. Um, so it's a story about a girl named Mickey and her best friend, Carolina. They're two star players on their high school softball team, and they're in this car accident. The story starts out with a car accident. Both have injuries that could compromise their upcoming softball season. Caroline, Carolina has this uh, arm injury, and Mickey sustains an injury to her hip, that is so traumatic that she has to have it pinned back together. The uh, prognosis for her isn't especially great in terms of being ready for the upcoming uh, softball season, which will be her final season. And yet Mickey is super determined to get better in order to play her last season of softball as a high schooler. So to handle her pain, her doctor prescribes her Oxycontin and it makes Mickey feel great. Uh, She feels so good that when she has her follow-up evaluation about her injury, she asks for a refill. Like, she really feels like this is helping her a whole lot. And she is um, pushing herself to do a little bit more, maybe, with her injury than she should be doing in hopes that um, she'll be able to participate in, in softball the next season. But when she asks for the refill, her, her doctor says she can't have it. And she's really upset about this because she she's convinced, like, this is what has helped her uh, start her recovery process mm. where it is. Um, but then she meets this woman who says she can help her out. Um, it's, it's set in a small town, and Mickey is an adopted 
child. And the way that she is portrayed in seeking out Oxycontin, um, that turns into this full-blown heroin addiction, I think. Um, all these things are really, really well done. They're really sensitively addressed. And um, I don't it, it it was the sort of book that as I was reading it, my anxiety was like through the roof because yeah. it felt so real. And um, it, it was hard to read. This is like not a fun book in any sense of the word. And um, it's one that was really, really eye-opening. And I feel like drove home the fact that addiction to opioids can happen to anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Because by like any stretch of the imagination prior to this accident, Mickey is sort of like the ideal girl, you know, uh, growing up in a small rural community, she has everything going for her. And then like this happens and it happens quickly. Um, but as somebody who has known addicts in the past, um, and, and particularly addicts to prescription medication, like that's what happens. And I feel like McGinnis, um, was able to really translate those experiences into this teen girl in a way that I think um, readers will feel that anxiety about what they know is coming and yet also understand that like this is what teens are dealing with today and um, it's just handled really sensitively and and thoughtfully Um, yeah I just I I hate how necessary the book was but appreciate how well uh, McGinnis handled it and that is uh, Heroin by Mindy McGinnis all right. Uh, my next one is one that just came out, and that's uh, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Rebuy. Um, so, yeah, this one just came out, um, like, the week we're recording this. Like, this came out two days ago, so if you're listening, uh, this book came out last week and has made quite the splash. It is <laughs> pretty much being talked about everywhere, um, and I inhaled it the second I got a finished copy. Um, he's another author who, like Jeff... I've loved all his work, including his wildly underrated uh, An Infant Number of Parallel Universes, which is a gorgeous friendship novel set around Philadelphia with Dungeons and Dragons at its heart. So so clearly I have a type when it comes to books because I was freaking out <laughs> over Slay at the Magic the Gathering-esque sort of story. And now here's a, here's a D&D book. Um, but in Patron Saints, uh, readers meet Jay, uh, who wants nothing more than to just play video games and do his own thing before heading off to college. Uh, but when he discovers his cousin was murdered as part of President Duarte's war on drugs, uh, he decides to head to the Philippines uh, to uncover the rest of the story. Uh, his family doesn't seem to want to talk about it. Uh, there's all these secrets sort of bubbling around it. And on the more he investigates, the more uh, he realizes... Well, I'm gonna. I'm about to spoil the whole book. Uh, so the more he investigates, the more <laughs> the more things get darker. Um, it's amazing. It's this book about family and immigration and just all the horrors that are going on uh, over there. And just Randy tackles this in such a smart, sensitive, just hard hitting way. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And I hope more people pick it up. Um, and that is uh, the Patron Saints of Nothing by uh, Randy Rubai. I want to read that book so bad. I, um, I've had it sitting on my pile and just haven't gotten to it yet. And Oof. also, this this isn't a spoiler. Like, it's a spoiler for you because you and I are recording early, but <laughs> won't be a spoiler for listeners who are listening to this after it drops. But 
Uh, the What's Up in YA newsletter has a really great interview between Randy and Jason Reynolds coming on oh, Monday. Fantastic. About, yeah, about this book and, and the process and the story behind it. So maybe even more excited to read it. Um, and for listeners who don't get the newsletter, you can fix that. Um, and if you want to read that interview, you can just send an email uh, my way and I can forward that to you. Um, only after you sign up, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next pick is Black. Black Enough, edited by Evie Zaboy, and this anthology came out earlier this year, either at the end of January or early February, yeah. and um, I've heard so little love for it afterward, uh, even though there was like a lot of buzz around it when it first came out, and so this is my like plea to pick it up and read it. Um, being an anthology, you can read this one cover to cover, I did, or you can uh, pick and choose the pieces you want to read, you can jump around, you can pick it up... Um, you know, and read a story and put it down for a couple days, pick up another one, you know, however you want to do an anthology. But this one uh, works really well for whatever sort of reading preferences you take with an anthology. And um, I don't think you'll miss out if you only read like three and skip the rest, but uh, I think you should read them all. Um, I was I was thinking about the stories and the authors in this collection and um, there's so many standouts. Like personally, some of my favorite stories in here were... Uh, Renee Watson's Half a Moon, Kekla Magoon's Out of Silence, Randy Colbert's Oreo, Jason Reynolds' story called The Ingredients, Nick Stone's Into the Starlight, and Woe by Rita Garcia-Williams. And I also really, really loved E.B. Zaboy, um, her own story. It's called The Revolution of Nigeria Jones, and it's about a black girl and a religious cult seeking an escape, which I've never seen before. And uh, we talk about cult books a lot, and one of the things I always think about is how few stories feature a uh, main character of color, and hers does. Um, so this one, I as I was reading it, I really loved how it gave so many different perspectives to being a black teen in America today, and I really feel like it exemplified the fact that there's no single story, that um, there's no single experience of being any... Uh, teen of any black teen or any teen of color and I feel like any young reader as well as anyone who works with young readers will really benefit from picking this one up and that is Black Enough edited by Evie Savoy. All right my next one is Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer Dugan. <laughs> ah, all you listeners you thought you were going to get away from me talking about this book on my best of list because I mentioned two other books. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> I love this book. Um, be ready to hear about it in our uh, best of the year roundup in December. Uh, a teen girl uh, lands a job at a theme park where her mega crush is, but she's stuck dressed up as a giant hot dog. And who falls in love with the hot dog girl? Uh, I fell in love with the book. Uh, it is a wildly sweet and unique YA rom-com full of love triangles and nostalgia. Uh, if you've ever had a summer job during that like last stretch of high school uh this is the book for you you're gonna laugh uh like wild i spent my summers working at sleepaway camps and uh summer programs so this was like a book pretty much another book that was like written for me um <laughs> it's a very selfish uh recommendation episode for me uh <laughs> but yeah pick this one up because this is another one that you know it made a big splash and then it's gotten quiet and i thought this book was going to be huge so uh yeah Scoop a Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer Dugan. You will laugh quite a bit. I am still waiting for my library to get it. My library just changed um, 
systems. They went from being, I think it was like eight libraries in their system to now there's like 150. And I was like, yes, this means I'll be able to get Hot Dog Girl. And there's one library in the system that has it, but for some reason they won't let me borrow it. And I like to think it's because they know my history with borrowing books. And anybody who listening to this podcast is like, I know your history with books, Kelly. I wouldn't let you borrow one either. But I'm hoping <laughs> that eventually I will get my hands on this book. If for no reason then you've talked about it so much that I need to need to read it. Yes. Let's 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 let's. I don't know why I keep saying let's, but uh let's move on to our next topic. We don't have a second sponsor, so I think that's part of where I just like I got stuck. I'm like, oh, I'm ready for the next sponsor, but no, <laughs> we're just gonna dive right in. Um our next topic is 2019 YA comics and I'll start by saying I haven't read any YA comics this year. I have <laughs> I, I have no reason for this because it's been a great year for them. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I just haven't gravitated toward them yet. And so uh, my descriptions when I'm talking about the ones that I'm super excited about are going to rely a little bit on uh, publisher descriptions more than I'd like. Uh, simply because I don't have my own takeaways yet um, that's okay. by not having read them. So uh, that said, I hope that this is like the kick in the pants I need to to pick some up. Yeah, so. I mean, my kick in the pants recently has been like trying to uh, trying to work less, which I know is a very de- mm-hmm. depressing sounding sort of thing. But you know, I have this bad habit of just like working until I'm like, oh, it's time to go to bed. Yeah, uh, same. So I recently signed up for Comicsology, um, which is sort of like. I don't know. It's almost kind of like Netflix for for comic books and like graphic novels. Um, so I picked up a, a Comicsology Unlimited subscription and you know went on Twitter and I was like, "Hey, who has some recommendations? I've been reading X and Y. You know, what should I pick up?" And uh, and Catherine Locke, who wrote um, the Girl in the Red Balloon, told me to read uh, Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Kelly, that's like the perfect example of like yeah, why a graphic book. novel. Yeah, like oh my goodness, I loved it. It was great. Uh, so right now, I'm I'm definitely on like a graphic novel kick because it's just. And I know we talked about this before, but you know, like why graphic novels are great for reluctant readers and mm-hmm. and making reading nice and accessible for anyone that maybe doesn't have a lot of time and like. End of the day, I'm tired. I want to look at some pretty pictures and get a nice yep. story and like ah. It's just been hitting like the perfect sweet spot for me lately. I um I was just doing a podcast, uh, a different podcast about um when you are unable to read, like when you hit a reading slump. And one of the things that I always suggest is to like change up your format. And for me, when I change up the format, it's usually to go to graphic novels for that exact reason. Is it's like looking at the art and reading a good story, like kickstarts and and reminds me like that that love for storytelling that can come in more than one format. Like I don't just have to pick up a novel and I don't just have to pick up, you know, a narrative nonfiction. I can pick up a comic and get both or either of those things. And also pictures, which um, as a visual person, like I love that. I love that so much. Um, Why don't we, we dive in with our, our list of things that we have read slash want to read. Um, (laughs) Because mine is more want to read, and I'll I'll, I'll start with um, 
Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Rosemary Valero O'Connell. Um, I love the work of Jillian and Mariko Tamaki. They did uh, This One Summer. Oh, They've yeah. done. They did, I believe it was called Skim, and then they've each done their own uh, work separate from one another, too, and this is one of those examples. Um, it's written by Marco and then illustrated by somebody else, uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell, and um, yeah, I, I've i had this on my radar for a long time. I haven't picked it up yet, so sorry, publisher description is coming. Um, Laura Dean, the most popular girl in high school, was Frederica Riley's dream girl, Charming, confident, and so cute. There's just one problem. Laura Dean is maybe not the greatest girlfriend. Reeling from her latest breakup, Freddie's best friend Doodle introduces her to the Seeker, a mysterious medium who leaves Freddie some cryptic parting words, break up with her. But Laura Dean keeps coming back, and as their relationship spirals further out of her control, Freddie has to wonder if it's really Laura Dean that's the problem. Maybe it's Freddie, who is rapidly losing her friends, including Doodle, who needs her now more than ever. Fortunately for Freddie, there are new friends and the insight of advice columnists like Anna Weiss to help her through being a teenager in love. One of the um, reviews I read of this one, I believe it was from a book writer, talked about how this graphic novel was so great because... It looks into this idea that you feel sometimes in high school that you have to find, like, your one true love in high school. Like, there's this weird pressure to sort of feel like you have to find that person. And this book apparently sort of deconstructs that idea and and makes it clear that, like, um, if you are seeking a partner, it doesn't have to happen uh, with this one person that, you know, there is a world beyond, like, your little high school situation whatever that is um and that is laura dean keeps breaking up with me by marco tamaki illustrated by rosemary valero o'connell awesome uh let's see my first wreck is uh the giver by lois lowry <laughs> um i feel like the giver really gives <laughs> uh itself to the graphic novel format though because uh more than more so than most uh why because of the themes that surround uh it in like color and then in the story um like as you read the book color starts to pepper through the black and white panels and it's just so clever and just beautifully done um and i remember when i got an early copy of this one uh i remember i was telling you about it kelly uh i got like a paperback arc and i was so confused because i was like oh half of this is in black and white half is in color why didn't they just <sighs> i guess they could have put the whole thing in black and white like if they didn't have the budget and then i remembered it was the giver <laughs> and that's that's what happens. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, look, it was a while since I'd read the book and that movie still haunts my nightmares. It could have been such a good movie. I don't know what happened there. Um, but, yeah, The Giver uh, graphic novel adaptation came out earlier this year and it's just really great. And it's just an awesome way to uh, revisit a classic book and, and, you know, sort of experience it in a new way with the colors and everything coming together. Um, yeah. And that's The Giver by Lois Lowry. I'm still meaning to watch the uh, the what's it called the 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 true crime thing. Yeah, you keep telling me the true crime thing. Yeah, there's that thing about like something happened to Lois Lowry's daughter, and there's like a whole true crime story about it. Oh yeah, uh, was that Lois Lowry? Is it? Maybe it's not Lois Lowry. Um, <laughs> I'm googling right now. <laughs> I, I don't think it was Lois Lowry. Oh. I feel like it was Lois Duncan. Oh. But I might be wrong. I'm looking real quick. Um, 
do 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 trivia under trivia there's somebody who's yelling in their car like at us right now and going <laughs> yeah it's lois duncan not uh, lois I lowry see. okay good which well, yeah yes uh, my bad that's let's let's just like quickly back away from that yes. <laughs> next book recommendation uh which is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Sue. This Yay! one comes out in Yeah, this one comes out in October. And I feel like I've been waiting for it forever. Um it sounds like the perfect blend of horror and magic and fantasy, and I'm pretty familiar with Wendy's art style, so I know it's going to be really, really gorgeous too. Um here's the description again, since I haven't read it yet. Um Nova Wong knows more about magic than your average teen witch. She works at her grandmother's bookshop where she helps them loan out spell books and investigate any supernatural occurrences in their New England town. One fateful night, she follows reports of a white wolf into the woods and she comes across the unexpected. Her childhood crush, Tam Lang, battling a horse demon in the woods. As a werewolf, Tam has been wandering from place to place for years, unable to call any town home. Pursued by dark forces eager to claim the magic of wolves and out of options, Tam turns to Nova for help. Their latent feelings are rekindled against the backdrop of witchcraft, untested magic, occult rituals, and family ties, both new and old, in this enchanting tale of self-discovery. It sounds so good, and it's coming out like at the end of October, so it'll be the perfect, you know, like Halloween witchy time read. And that is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Sue. You know, I just read by Wendy Sue is that she did the uh, some of the storytelling for one of the Dream Daddy graphic novels. Uh, and I read it and it was delightful. I am such a fan. Yeah, her, her work is so great. And she just, um, she sold, I think, two or three middle grade books as well. Yeah, so, like huge well, book deal too. Yeah, so she's, she, we'll be seeing a lot of her around, which is great. Her, um, for readers who aren't familiar with her work, you're in for a real treat. Yeah, and if you haven't played the Dream Daddy video game, I highly recommend it. Trying to uh, find the right dad for a single dad is the most wholesome dating game I've ever <laughs> played in my life. Uh, let's see. So the next rec I have is uh, Bloom by Kevin Panetta. Um, I don't know what it is about YA novels set around bakeries, but something that just gets me right on board. Um Little tropes like that, you know, bakeries, teens and bands, you get me really quickly. Um, and this is like a post-high school story about a teen who wants to, like, make a go of things with his band, move away to the big city, but can't quite get away from his uh, family bakery that is, uh, you know, starting to fail. Uh, and then maybe he meets a cute boy who might take over for him and swoons start to happen. Uh, it's a really sweet uh, YA graphic novel from First Second that came out. I feel like this came out like the first week of January. This is a very early in the year graphic novel. Uh, and the illustrator, Savannah um, Gonouch, has done art for Lumberjanes uh, and just has this like gorgeous style where the whole comic is in this like soft color scheme. Um, it's just very pleasing and the story is very sweet. Uh, and I highly recommend checking it out. And that's uh, Bloom by Kevin Panetta. My last one is I Was There American Dream by Malaka Garib. Um, I think this graphic memoir falls square in the arena of crossover appeal. I've seen it labeled both as YA and adult, and I think it's one of those books that would appeal to both, so I'm including it. Um, plus, plus, I'm really mad I didn't pick it up at the bookstore recently when I had my hands on it. Um, my husband and I were 
in the city. And uh, I took him to Quimby's bookshop, which uh, for Chicago listeners, they know like this is a an indie bookshop. It's very, very cool. And my husband swore I took him there before. And then when he went in there, he's like, okay, no, you didn't take me into this one. I remember this one. Anyway, <laughs> that was a long tangent to say um, they have this incredible graphic novel section and uh, incredible comic selection. I went to pick this up. I had it in my hand and then I didn't buy it and I regret. Um, anyway, so tangent aside, the, the book um, follows the daughter of parents with unfulfilled dreams themselves. Malaka navigates her childhood, chasing her parents' ideals, learning to code switch between her family's Filipino and Egyptian customs, adapting to white culture to fit in, crushing on skater boys and trying to understand the tension between holding on to cultural values and trying to be an all American kid. I was their American dream is at once a journal of growing up and a reminder of the thousands of immigrants who come to America in search of a better life for themselves and their children. The uh, pitch I saw for this one was that it's one part Mari Andrew, who I love and one part Marjane Sartrapi, who I also love. And, um, have I ever talked about that time that I spent a whole month reading all of Marjane Sertrappi's comics? Um, I found like every single one that I could at the Austin Public Library and inhaled them. <laughs> and it got me thinking about the fact, like as I was writing this description for this book, we haven't seen anything from her in like a long yeah. time. And so I, I want something from her. But in the meantime, I'm going to pick up uh, I Was Their American Dream by Malaka Garib. And my last one is just a quick wreck in that uh, the Speak graphic novel by Lauren Hulse mm. Anderson. Um, I know we talk about this YA icon on here a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and I just want to give this one a quick shout out because much like The Giver, it had been like years since I'd read Speak. And at Kelly's Nudges, I picked up the graphic novel uh, to remember the power of that story. And it's just, well, it's Speak. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And um, Emily Carroll, who illustrates it, is just so good. Mm-hmm. Like she really brought that story to life because I feel like that was one of those novels when you heard about the um, making it into a comic, you're like, how is that going to work? Um, you know, cause it's such a, um, such a contemporary story and one that deals with so many like big topics and yet it translated so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that's our show for today. Right. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. As always, if you have feedback about the show, uh, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. When you do this, it lets us know how we're doing, and it also helps other people find this show. Thanks to today's sponsors, Libro FM, as well as The Virtue of Sin, for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and on Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars, and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and on Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We'll talk to you all again in two weeks. Bye.